Cues Nation. Your boy Dean Francis back again. Another edition of the Outers Road Podcast. And as promised, this is going to be a mailbag edition as we end the month of July. So uh everybody that send in their comments and questions, I appreciate it. Much love to you guys. A lot of good stuff for your boy to respond to. So this is going to be a very entertaining pod once again. But before I get to all of that, just wanted to touch base on a few topics with some of the updates that have taken place since I last touched base with you guys. Because we have some updates with uh, Jalil Bathia and Mikey Lewis and an old friend of ours that was in the... Originally 2024 class, reclassified to 2023 and committed to another school. And now he has like asked for a release. So I'm going to get to him in a little bit. But first, let me get to the biggest news, right? We're going to deal with relevant Syracuse news right now. So Jalil Bathia has decided to cut his school list to five programs. So right now, when we talk about the ops, and it's pretty much the same as I last touched base on his recruitment, right? On the last pod, you have Kansas, you have Miami, you have Alabama, you have Villanova, and you have Syracuse. So what I talked about was that, hey, if those are going to be the main schools and the blue, you know, certain blue bloods aren't going to jump in because I was a little bit concerned that, hey, maybe Calipari and Kentucky and his boy Antigua, they'll get in the mix. And you always have Hubert Davis and North Carolina, you know, maybe a program like UCLA or somebody like that. They, they'll try to get in the mix. Who knows? Right. But. The same programs who have been in the mix from jump and I've had their head coaches and assistants and every you know all those guys out there on the out there in the forefront checking them out and letting them know that hey we really want you and putting in that work and that dedication all those programs are involved now as finalists. And one of the things I spoke about, I said, okay, if some of the main schools like Kansas, Alabama, Miami, if if they're going to be continue to be involved, you know what? Let them get their visits in first. If he's going to visit Syracuse officially for a second time, but this time with Red Autry being the head coach instead of Bayham who was the head coach from the first time he had visited Syracuse during his junior year, then let those schools give it their best shot, right? Like, let them get their visits in and Syracuse have the last visit and he can see, okay, because he has an idea of what Syracuse is about. Now it's all about how Red Autry is out there running things. What is his player development like amongst his coaching staff and everything like that? So how the schedule is set, you have Kansas with the first visit in August, 
August 31st. Then you have Miami a week later, September 8th. Then in a couple weeks after that, you have Alabama, September 23rd. And then Syracuse has the visit after that, September 30th. So the one school that's missing is the hometown school, and that's Villanova. There isn't a visit, an official visit set yet for Villanova at the time. So we'll see if that takes place or not. But four out of the five schools, the official visits are set, and Syracuse has the last visit. And that's what I talked about on the last pod that I was hoping to see. Let all those other schools try to put their best foot forward and everything like that. But you know what? Let Syracuse get that last crack because they already originally had the first crack of getting an official visit from him when Beheim was the coach. But obviously we know now things have changed because he has turned himself from a borderline top 50 recruit to now a borderline top 10 recruit, one of the elite premier players in his class. And this is really big for a assist an assistant coach like a Jerry McNamara because we have all, you know, had our thoughts about him and yours truly saying, look, this guy has always gone big fish hunting, trying to land top five star recruits and stuff. And, you know, unlike a guy like Griff and Red where they're just out there trying to find the best fit. It doesn't matter if it's a three-star guy, a guy that's, you know, who um, the fan base has never heard of or anything like that. They're just trying to find, you know, guys that fit the system and stuff. And they have succeeded bringing in top talent during their time as assistant coaches at Syracuse to the program. But GMAC, he has always gone big fish hunting and he striked out a lot. And I said previously, you know what, to be fair, he hasn't had much help because when you're trying to get these five-star guys, it's like you're dealing with heavyweights. And it's hard to let, to finish and close on these type of players when you're dealing, you, you're competing with the Calipari's and the Bill Self and when Jay Wright was coaching and... um. You know, all the all, all these other, you know, blue blood programs and or other coaching staffs that have um coaches that are uh, coaches and assistants that are sharks out there. And when you're G Mac and you're dealing with, you know, Bayheim at the end of his career where he's just like, you know what, you handle it and when it when it's time for me to come in at the end to try and close, I'll come in and try to close and then more times than that. More times than not, that was not happening. And even when, you know, they were able to close, you you know, uh, you go back to uh, Dior Johnson and Kamari Lance, guys who ended up decommitting later on, you know what I'm saying? Like within, you know, less than a year or something like that. So um, moving forward now, you know, I don't think, from just what I know about this situation with uh, uh, Jalil Bathia and everything like that, I, I don't think wh- whoever he commits to, that's who he's sticking with. Like, I don't think this is going to be a circus. This isn't a circus recruitment or anything like that. And Syracuse, um, 
with GMAC, Red Archery, the whole coaching staff, they have done a good job showing him that, you know what, you're our guy. Like, we were first in the picture, and we're trying to finish this race out to the very end. You know, they, they have not been caught slacking anytime. You know, it's an open period and the coaching staff is able to go out and, um, you know, check out the recruits and stuff. Wherever Bathia is at, GMAC is there, Red is there, the coaching staff, like Syracuse have, has had heavy representation. So if um somehow he, he doesn't end up at Syracuse, you can't say, like in previous years, that it was because of a lack of effort. They got caught slipping. That's not going to be the case here. Like, they have done everything in their power to show this young man that he is their numero uno target. Along with other guys, like, keeping a, a player like Chapel Moore committed. Um, other players, uh, you, you still have uh, a, a Mikey Lewis in the picture so that's what i'm curious to see like if they're willing if they're expecting you know a bunch of guys to leave because look you would expect judah if he has a really good season coming up which i I think a lot of us expect especially if he shoots the from distance at three-point range at a a high clip 35 percent or higher you know he's gonna be a lottery pick jj stalin you know, he he has the potential to be a first-round pick, early second-round pick as well. And maybe, um, you know, uh, a guy like Chance Westry, who knows what's going to happen with him if he's healthy. And I'm pretty sure players like Copeland, Justin Taylor, you know, if it doesn't work out for them, they might hit the portal. So there's going to be some movement with those guys coming up after next season. With the guard rotation and such. So uh, who knows if, if the game plan with this coaching staff is to say, all right, we got Chapel Moore locked in. Let's try. It's not an either or situation with Bethea and Mikey Lewis. Like if we can get both of those guys in, we bring them in because we're not tied up to the zone again. So we don't need to just say, Oh, we we have to have uh, two six seven six eight forwards and a big man, and just two guards. Like we can do, like we can we can have like interchangeable pieces, like all these other programs. Like we've seen, like a team such as Miami, where they're playing like four guards and one one you know uh, big man or undersized big man and such. You know what I'm saying? So who knows what Red Archer and crew how they going about things. So, um, you know, with Bethea, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out with him. More intel, you know, I'll have a much more clear picture of how things are going to play out with him as his visits, visits go along. If I had to share my opinion on how, who I'm most worried about, it's Kansas. Because we we just seen Kansas a year ago come to Pennsylvania for a guy that we were interested in and had offered and um, El Marco Jackson, they came and got him. So, uh, you know, and, and, and all these other teams are no slouches. Miami, they have a connection with an AU coach um, that, that used to um, coach um, Team Final. That's the AU program that Bethea plays for. 
And we know they have a lot of juice coming off of Final Four. And I'm pretty sure that's going to be his favorite visit out of all the programs for non-basketball reasons. All right. It's Miami, South Florida. So and he's visiting there. Was it September 8th? So, yeah, it's prob- that's probably going to be his favorite visit out of all the programs for non-basketball reasons, if you guys know what I mean. But he's making a basketball decision. So we'll see how it all plays out. Bama, Alabama, they're no slouch. We know it's a guard-friendly system. So it's going to be a very, very attractive situation for him. Villanova, in-state, hometown school. They have stepped up their NIL game, so they have been recruiting much better since. So you can't sleep on them if he does decide to make a, an official visit with them. So the competition is going to be pretty stiff, but I do like that right now. We have the last visit with him. We'll see what happens with Mikey Lewis. You know, he, he's still talking up Syracuse and that he wants to visit. So we'll see how it plays out. I'm I'm curious. Hopefully I can get intel behind the scenes about if look, is it an either or situation between Lewis and Bathia, or are they willing to take both of those guys and see how it plays out moving forward? Because I know the thinking is they're not expecting Judah back for a junior year. They're not expecting JJ Stalin back for a junior year. So it's like, who else after that? You know what I'm saying? Like, who who else is going to bounce? Are they going to give multiple guys to talk or what? You know what I'm saying? So that's what we have to see. Or is somebody else going to be a part of a surprise? Do they think um, a Chance Westry, you know, could be a guy that, you know, develops on a fast track and, you know, he ends up bouncing? So we'll see. You know, obviously, uh. I think we all we're, we're we're all not naive to think some of the guys like Copeland and 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 Justin Taylor. If it doesn't work out for them, they'll get that speech. So um, but talking about getting that speech, shout out to the coaching staff. Shout out to Red Archery because um, I read this article recently with um about. Samir Torrance, where he talked about his exit and moving on to Binghamton. And shout out to my guy, um, A-Rob, Aaron Robinson. You know, he has sent me the link to, you know, about 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 um, Samir. And he pretty much said, look, the coaching staff told him from the get-go when the season ended that, you know what? You know, we, we like you. We respect you. You've done all the right things. But with what, you know, we're trying to work on moving forward with the players that are coming back and guys that we're going to bring in, it might not work out for you as far as, you know, playing time and such. So it's it's best that you hit the portal and, you know, try to find a better situation elsewhere. And that's how you're supposed to handle it. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't gas a kid's head, tell him this and that. And then, um, you know, later on when um, things, you know, the situation you look at with Syracuse where Judah ends up coming back and you have JJ and you have, you know, guys like Copeland and Taylor coming back and you bring in a dude like um, Cuff Jr. And then all of a sudden when it's like end of April, middle of May, you're telling a guy like Samir like, well, you know what? 
it might not work out, so it's best to move on. And it makes it tough for him to find another spot because a lot of the schools on the lower levels, they probably have their rosters um, put together at that moment. So the options aren't going to be um, out there for for a player like him to say, all right, you know what, it's it's originally he would get that talk from Syracuse when the season ends after the loss of uh, Wake Forest, you know, he still has middle of March, he still has April, you know, so you have month, month and a half to figure it all out instead of, okay, it, it's now May and and now you're you're stuck trying to figure your next move out where options are limited. So, um, you know, good job by Red and the staff just keeping it real with him and letting him know what the status is because, you know, I, I heard the same thing when the talk came with Gerard, where basically he was told, "Hey, we're 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 transitioning to a different style of play, and you know it, it might not be the best fit for you." So you know they they didn't tell him to just take a hike, but it was just like, "Hey, you know what? Weigh weigh in your options, and you know uh, see what's what's the best fit for you and stuff moving forward." Because you know what Red and the the coaching staff what they trying to do is gonna be much more different than what it was with Beha. Basically, in trans in, in translation, he wasn't gonna be able to take like fifty shots a game and play no defense. All right, that's how it was. You know what I'm saying? But we'll see who gets the last laugh in the end because he's staying in the ACC. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes down with the Syracuse Clemson matchups. But anyway, guys, that's the updates I wanted to touch in on. Now we're gonna get to the smell bag. So first, we're gonna start off with my guy Ryan. So he says, uh, "Dean, love the pod. Always look forward to Wendy's come out. Appreciate that, my guys. Always." He says, "I have three questions that I'm curious to hear your opinions on." First, who you got at the three, Bell or Westry, and why? Second, what do you expect from Kyle Cuff this year and beyond? Third, what is your take on Malik Brown and how much he'll play this season? I think he's going to play 20-plus. All right, Ryan, so go take this one at a time. So who I got at the three, Bell or Westry? So this is what I'm 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 very curious about because I think Bell I would start Bell just because of the shooting but I know there's a lot of politics behind the scenes with Westry. And that's not to say Westry isn't a good player. Obviously, this was like a, a borderline five-star recruit. Or even early on in his high school career, he was considered like a top 15, top 20 guy. But, you know, when you talk about with this roster, with the question marks of how well they can shoot it overall, when you talk about with Chuda and JJ, you know, they have the potential to be consistent long-range shooters, but it's unproven. Uh, Benny Williams, you know, we we slot him at the other forward spot, and he has shown glimpses. He ended the season this past season, um, last season well, shooting from distance, but overall the consistency has not been there. 
for all the criticism and with yours truly with um chris bell as far as when it comes to rebounding and defending and all that he shot well you look at his numbers overall especially in like acc play he shot well as a three uh, as a, a, a as a spot up three point shooter so with this team with uh the ball handlers we're gonna have and everything like that you would think he's going to have a lot of opportunities, especially wide open opportunities from distance to contribute on a high level for the squad. So I'm curious to see how Red handles it. You know, I would start Chris at the three and have Westry as your instant offense type of guy that comes off the bench he still plays starter minutes you know you you can find a way to rotate that time with him and the other forwards and you know in between with um the guards because he's he's a good ball handler so even if judah you know i think judah's gonna obviously play 35 36 37 minutes a game so you know those minutes that judah's on the bench whether it's just for rest or foul trouble and such you can give those minutes to westry along with whatever minutes you can squeeze from him out of the forward spot so he he can still play start the minutes 25 26 27 minutes a game he, he doesn't have to start he'll he'll be all right but i think Red has to find, you know, whether it's Bell, whether it's Justin Taylor, you know, one of those extra forwards that can knock down some threes and see how it goes from there. So, uh, yeah, that's my take on Bell Westry at the three spot. Um, Your second question, you talked about Kyle Cuff. So, with Cuff, it's tough because... um, you know, he got injured early on during, you know, the summer summer practices. Um, you know, they were saying he should be back um before the second summer session ends. But um, you know, he's 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 a huge question mark, you know. I put him amongst amongst the lines with uh Peter Carey, where you just don't know what you're gonna get because with Peter Carey, you know, he he's as he has spent couple years not playing dealing with injuries and it's kind of like the same thing with Kyle Cuff where you know this past season he was out with an injury and um the season before that it was more of a red shirt because he had uh reclassified but still you know he's he's going off two years not playing so even though the talent and the potential was high you know um I remember before he reclassified you know uh, there was talk of him you know, being a, a top 50 recruit and everything like that. So uh, now it's, it's kind of hard to tell because you, you don't know where he's at mentally, confidence-wise. You know, if he gets out there on the court because he hasn't played in a while, is he going to try to do too much and make up for lost time? And it's just hard, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you just have to take it game by game and see where he and a player like Peter Carey is at. You know, both of those guys are in similar positions, even though they play different spots. But it's just like, where are those guys at mentally? Because they haven't played in so long on a consistent basis. So even though the potential is there, like um, a guy like Cuff, 
you like going back on this high school film. It's like you you can you 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 can see the potential, right? Like the ball handling, the shooting, the athleticism, but you gotta expect that there's gonna be some rust there and some maybe some confidence issues to shake off. Um, to to showcase, you know what? Hey, I'm that dude. You know what? I'm back. I'm back feeling myself again. So it's like a wait and see approach when talking a Kyle Cuff Jr. and even a Peter Carey. So that's 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 my feeling on a, a player like that. But you know what? Just in practice, having a dude that's gonna have that chip on the shoulder, it's good for the Judah Mints, the J.J. Stalins, the Quadera Copelands, the Justin Taylors, you know, the guys that are in the guard rotation and stuff like that. It's good to have a player like him there just as insurance, as in case anything happens with some of our other players as far as injuries and and just making sure we have enough depth moving forward if, you know, God forbid, you know, uh, Somebody gets hurt or, you know, something pops up where a, a player is unavailable. At least you have that, you know, extra, you know, body ready to step in and and, and, and go about their business. You know what I'm saying? So when you look at the different positions with this, this squad coming up for next for the season coming up, you got to feel good. You know, with the guard spot that I just talked about and the forward spot and the big man position, you know what I mean? Like there's like four, what four big men, maybe even five when you talk about um, Malik Brown. So you you got five big men that you could throw out there. The forward position is like four guys, and the guard position, you know, it's the same. It's like you know you have two guys that can handle the rock as point guards and playmakers and stuff, and even three because you have a Copeland and Cuff. Shoot, three, four. Man, so yeah, four guys, excuse me, four guys, what am I saying? Four guys that can handle the rock, you know what I'm saying? You add a Justin Taylor, that's five guys that can play, because he could play the two-guard spot. So, you know, you have four guys that can play the point, handle the rock, playmaking. Another guy that can play the shooting guard spot. The forward position, you have um Benny. Bell, Brown, and then you have the interchangeable pieces with Copeland and Justin Taylor. So that's like five forwards right there. And then with the big men that I was that I just spoke about, you 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 have um McLeod, Hema, Peter Carey. Patterson, and then you can even play, and this is what the coaches have talked about, Malik Brown at the five in a small ball situation. So this is why I like this coaching staff, Red, Red and crew, they're so excited about the potential because there's so many chess pieces that they can move around, whether from the guard position, the forward position, the big man spot, you know, we just have to pigeonhole somebody to just one place like we did with Bayham when talking about that zone. Oh, this 
this guy, these guys have to play here, and these guys have to play there, and the other guys over there on the corner. Nah, you know what? You you can move these pieces around and figure out what's the best fits in a game by game type situation. That's what's so exciting, like the unknown. And Red has a lot of these chess pieces to play around with. So that's why I'm so excited and curious to see what he can do as a coach. Because he does he he just doesn't have to be a guy that just looks at it one way and say, okay, you guys over here, you guys over there, and you guys over there. Nah. Those days are done. So um yeah, we'll we'll see how it plays out with that when it comes to Cuff and crew and some of the pieces that, you know, we, we, we haven't given much thought to. But we'll see how creative Red and the coaching staff could be as the season goes along. All right, so Ryan, you said last, uh, what is your take on Malik Brown and how much he'll play this season? So, yeah, I think Malik... <laughs> I, I I'm not sure if he'll start. I don't think he'll start. I think at the fourth spot, you know, we'll, we'll at the four we'll see Benny start at the four. But I think Malik, you'll see he's gonna be one of the key pieces, and this is what um Alan Griffin had talked about, saying he's like one of the m- most important guys on the squad. That they're, you know, when I think one time he said on. On the interview, I think on like ESPN Radio, and shout out to my guy Pat. I, I think um, when he had mentioned this, it was I think this was what Griff had mentioned on the interview like a, a month, month and a half ago, and he had talked about Malik Brown being like you know what a piece that when they had their meetings to close out their spring period before you know I guess guys would go on vacation and stuff like that. He he said Malik was like one of the main topics that they were like, hey, we, we could play him in multiple spots that, you know, he could be a four man for us in games where, you know, uh, we're playing against a small team. He could be a five man. So you look at a team like Miami. Miami is a prime example, right? They're big men that they just went to a final four with is like six, 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 seven. Malik Brown is bigger than him. But. If you look at some of the highlights, like the ones I had chopped up when I did the highlights of, of um, McLeod, all you can do is just do a search on on Florida State versus Miami 2022-2023. Or just you know type in Florida State Miami basketball 2023. They played them twice, and Florida State got smoked twice. And... You'll see that like McLeod, he, he was just um, unplayable in those games. And that's not to say McLeod can't be productive in a different setting against a different team. Because I do think um, there's much more potential from him coming to Syracuse than what we have seen him do at his time at Florida State, especially with the guards that he's going to be playing with to be able to contribute more. But 
it's unrealistic to expect a dude that's like 7'4 to chase around a smaller team. I mean, look at Saikidi at Purdue, right? You know, this is what, player of the year and such. He's like 7'8". And look what happened in March. You know, they played against FDU, a team that has like, what, three guys that were under six feet. And they made a fool out of him. He, he, you know, he was running around in circles in slow motion trying to keep up with these guys. So at some point, you know, a coaching staff has to say, you know what? When we're playing against a smaller, quicker team, a guy that's that big and doesn't have that kind of footing to keep up with the opponents, we got to sit them on the bench. This isn't the game for them. So this is where a guy like Malik Brown, having him as an option, this is what's going to benefit the coaching staff moving forward to this upcoming season because he's going to be able to hold his own when playing against um, especially Miami, right? You you play against their guy that's like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, Malik Brown is gonna be able to hold his own against a player like that. He's he's not gonna he's not seven four slow footed and you know is just gonna get blown off the ball by switches and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he he he's gonna be able to contribute uh, more so than some of our other big men. You know what I'm saying? Like because even a guy like Hema, I think might have trouble. I don't know about Peter Carey. Patterson, I think is a redshirt candidate, but. Just having a guy like uh, Malik Brown, who, uh, you know, I hope uh, is putting in work in the weight room. Hopefully he's at least like 220 when next season rolls around 220, 225 or something like that. Hopefully, you know, he, he he's working hard in that weight room and, you know, the speed, the agility doesn't go anywhere. Because I think he's going to be like one of the most important players on the roster for this upcoming season than, you know, outside of our guards, right? Like, I think outside of Judah, JJ, those guys being our studs, I think just being this interchangeable piece that can play the four, can play the small ball five. And the glimpses we saw last season where, you know, our, our season when we started off slow, when things picked up, it was because of him. You know, when we had that stretch, when we started winning some games and things were kind of looking on the up and up, it was because of him. So I just hope he's continuing to put in that work and he becomes that, you know, critical chess piece that the coaching staff could use in a variety of matchups. So that's my take on Malik Brown. I do think he's going to be a big part for next season. So we'll see how it plays out with him. So Ryan, I appreciate your contribution and support as always. Moving on, we got my guy Vince. He says, great pod, Dean. Great questions by Ryan. I was going to ask what you thought about Bell and Westry as well. I'm leaning toward Bell starting because we might need his shooting prowess. One question. Do you think 
Patterson and Carey have solid futures in this program or will they likely be recruited over? All right, Vince, uh, I appreciate you uh, chiming in as always, my guy. When it comes to those two, I think it's most likely they'll be recruited over. And this is a thing I think we uh, spoke about on previous spaces where or a question I've talked about on, on the pod that with how the portal is, like we're in this portal mania, does it make sense to recruit players like Carrie and Patterson who are like developmental types that you may have to wait? Three years, two, two, two years, two and a half years, three years for them to fully develop. When after a year or two, you can just go into the portal and find somebody that's ready to go. So that's where I think we're at with those guys, because you have a guy like McLeod who has multiple years of eligibility. You have Hema, who still I think last season was just his redshirt freshman year. So he still probably has what two three more years left and he's already used up his um transfer you know his his one-time transfer waiver along with mcleod so i i i i'm not i'm not sure how how it's gonna play out for guys like carrie and patterson you know i think patterson could be a redshirt candidate so maybe he sticks around longer but carrie i could see if um after this season, if he doesn't play much, and just to open up some scholarships, maybe he gets that talk and says, hey, because look, he had, what was it, like Ivy League offers and everything like that um, when Syracuse got in the mix. I, I think Rutgers was his only other high major offer, but everything else was pretty much Ivy League stuff. It was like Brown and Princeton and things like that, so... I don't know. Maybe he gets a talk where, you know, they tell him, you know, hey, maybe go back to, you know, transfer to a Ivy League school or a Patriot League school or, you know, another high academic program and such. But it's, it's just not going to work out here. You're just not going to get the minutes. You know, if, if basketball, you know, if you want that basketball opportunity, it's just not going to work out here. Just like I talked about earlier with Samir. That they kept it real with him and, you know, Joe and some of the other guys that, you know, JBA, that it is just not going to work out. And they let them know early. So we, we know that's going to happen after next season rolls around. That Some of these guys, there's like three, four dudes that I'm looking at that I feel like they're going to get a certain kind of conversation from red archery when the season's done if it doesn't work out for them and you know and some of these players you know they they're not stupid them and their families you know they they don't even need red archery to tell them how things are looking and stuff you know a lot a lot of these 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 programs with their 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 families and such they're already talking to other programs through their AU coaches, prep school coaches, and stuff like that, that's putting our feelings to other schools, saying, "Hey, you know, uh, my 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 player, or you know, my or if it's the parent, oh, my kid is looking for you know a, a, an opportunity elsewhere. So you know, if they hit the portal, you know, would you be receptive and taking them and such? So all that play, works itself out moving forward. But um, 
when it comes to those two guys, Vince, that you talk about, honestly, I don't see much of a future for Patterson, Carey, in a Syracuse orange uniform. But I hope to be wrong. You know what I'm saying? I'm always rooting for, you know, guys that, um, you know, Syracuse bring in and hope, you know, they, 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 they play to the best of their abilities. But just looking how the roster is shaped up right now and guys were recruiting for the future and just um what we know about sp- specifically like a, a Peter Carey with his injuries and all that stuff and just the little body of work to go off of because he's one of those play. I-, I joked about on like spaces previously that outside of you know a, few, a couple of players here and there since I've been following recruiting and such like Peter Carey is one of the few guys that I've never been able to evaluate in high school as far as just you know watching his games his film you know the only thing I ever saw of him in high school was him just throwing down dunks in a open gym workout and it was like a what 90 second clip <laughs> I mean it's not much to go off of with that guy so I don't know and then even last season a few times he played you know he wasn't terrible but he didn't do anything to stand out as well. You know, I think the most minutes he got was in that Bryant game when, like, all those ejections happened. And what happened? We lost, right? So, you know, not not pinning the blame on him. You know, I was a team effort, but just not much to go off of with Carey. And Patterson's kind of like the same thing. I mean, at least he had some highlight stuff that I could evaluate. And, and, and you know, I think it was like a game that I checked out. And there's... um some potential there but you know he didn't play much last season and um you know he's a raw prospect overall so just um tough to figure out and be confident that both of those guys are going to have much of, of much of a future in the Syracuse uniform but Regardless, good stuff, Vince. Uh hope to catch up with you soon when uh we get this uh next spaces rolling. Appreciate your comp- contributions and support as always, my guy. Um, next, we got Rex. He says, great stuff as always, Dean. Curious what the vision for Cope is this year. Lots of potential, and he's a dog. Hope he can find the floor. Any four-guard lineups with Benny at the five? Uh, I don't know about anything with Benny at the five. You know what I'm saying? I think, as I talked about before, if anything, when we're talking about small ball lineups, it's going to be with um Malik Brown playing at that spot. I don't see Benny. I just haven't seen anything so far from Benny that he can handle. The five. Even in the small ball five lineup. I I don't know. I think Benny will have some issues there. Like I talked about him and the dude from Miami. The dude from Miami will kick his ass. Right? <laughs> Omer. I mean Norchad Omer. Like, yeah, he'll he'll beat the crap out of Benny, unfortunately, in my opinion, if they were to square up down low in the posts and everything like that. So I, I don't think that'll be a a good matchup, a favorable matchup for us. But um yeah, when you talk about Copeland though, let me I'll say this though. Copeland I think is gonna be one of those guys that um when we start hearing about practices and you know the off season workouts and everything like that, I think that's gonna be a name and, and even like the exhibition games and the the early the cupcake games before we go to Maui, 
He's going to be a player. This is my prediction. I think he's going to be the player that's going to be like the fan favorite that most of the fans are going to say, hey, he needs to play more. We need to find a way that he's in the lineup and he's getting as many minutes as possible because he has all the he, – he provides all the intangibles that the squad's going to need to win games and stuff because he's going to do all the little things. I feel like the key is the jump shot. You know, him knocking down some threes or perimeter shots and stuff. If he can if he can knock down some jump and I'm not saying he has to be like a forty percent three point shooter or anything like that. He can just be shoot a thirty percent three point shooter, but still even if he's shooting at a thirty percent clip, he's still showing that he can at least be serviceable from distance. You know what I mean? Like at least he's a threat. Because we know he can handle, he can play make, he can defend, he can rebound. Does all the little things. So if he if he can find a way to be at least a thirty percent three point shooter instead of like a ten percent three point shooter, then hey, you know what? He's gonna find his he's gonna find his way on the floor more than most most of the fan base would think. So Rex, uh thanks for your question. Uh next we got my guy Scott, Scott Schuster. He says, great job. As always, Dean, I think Justin Taylor is being overlooked. With Joe gone, the ball should move around more and we will need shooters. Also, in the Bryant game, JT showed he can get his own shot and put the ball on the floor like he did in his high school film. Do you think he is being slept on? And with Joe gone and Judah gone through the NBA pre-draft, maybe Judah will have a greater appreciation for distributing the ball. Alright, so Scott, um with JT, I definitely think he's being slept on because um, you know, everybody's just pretty much talking about Bell at the other spot at the forwards. I, I think I think we all can agree that at the four spots at, at the start starting spot that that Benny's probably gonna get that. You know, remember he's a Red Archie recruit. There's a close connection there, you know, um for those that don't know. Benny's high school coach is one of Red Archie's best friends. So that that's how we had like a super in with Benny during his original recruitment and stuff like that. So obviously Red has um special incentive to try to make the situation work. This is why Benny has not transferred. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he has that four spot locked in unless he chokes it away. The three spot, when it comes to Bell, I hope it's a legit open competition. And I hope we, we can really have a fair evaluation through the practices when the fall, pra- you know, whether what's going on now, the fall practices, the exhibition games. Between Bell and Justin Taylor. We've seen some ups and downs from both. And, you know, I'm I'm just I'm just gonna say I don't think that it just should be given to Bell. And I know Bell has some good shooting numbers, but the defense, the rebounding was pretty bad, you know, and you guys I don't wanna sound like a broken record, but y'all know like I I've cracked a lot of jokes about like 
how how Bell, you know, can play, you know, the, the minutes and start these games and you know, you can go through three, four game stretches where he might grab two, three rebounds in total during that stretch. I mean, that's unacceptable. When you're like six seven, six eight. That should not happen. So I hope it's a fair battle between him, between Bell, and between Justin Taylor. And that Taylor is working on being more aggressive on defense and rebounding. And, you know, we know we, we saw the glimpses, just as, you know, Scott talked about in his comment. Like, we saw glimpses in games of what he can provide offensively. We know he can shoot. We know he can, you know, get his own shot off. But can he provide more than Chris Bell defensively and, and in the rebounding department? Especially since Red is planning to play more man-to-man defense. So that's a battle, a positional battle that I think is going to be open that we need to pay attention to. That and possibly the center spot, even though I do think McLeod will start. But it depends on how long he plays will depend on the matchups. But the only thing, I just think three spots are a lock. That's the two guard spots with J.J. and Judah and Benny at the four. Everything else... I think it's like up for grabs and how the minutes are gonna be distributed. It's 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 that that's a wait and see type scenario. So uh Scott, appreciate you hopping on on, on the on in, in the mailbag and hope to hear from you again on the spaces, you know what I'm saying? Miss miss your contributions the last few times. You know, I'm sure you probably been busy and all that, but you know, I'm going to try to lock in another space before the summer wraps up. So I hope to hear from you um, soon. Uh, next, we got my guy Brian Adams. So he says, thanks for doing this, Dean. Can you talk about which New Jersey coaches and programs, relationships that Red will need to repair since Roby graduated from the Q's? I live in New Jersey, and as we all know, there are some ballers in the state. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, um, Brian, me and my guy, shout out to my guy Vince. Uh, you know, I always tell him all the time for years now. I'm like, bro, there's, there's so much talent in that state. And it's just sad that, like, Syracuse have had, like, little little to none, um, you know, uh, action with a lot of those players. You know what I'm saying? Seeing all those guys go elsewhere is disappointing ever since, you know, the whole Robeson debacle and stuff. But now, you know, I feel with uh, Red, uh, you know, things are going to change. And, um, you know, I marked this I, I marked this down. This is going to make you feel good, Brian, and all my, 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 my Jersey peeps out there. So, I mean, look, when we talk about high school, with the high school um, action, obviously Roselle Catholic, Roselle Catholic, Robeson's old school, um, Malachi Richardson, you know, uh, what was going on over there? That's always going to be a big program. The head coach there has moved on, you know, for those that don't know. He's he's at another school called um, Caps. 
I'm not joking. I'm not capping. It's called caps. That's his, uh, that's that's the abbreviation for it. It's uh, called. Let me see. College achieve public school. It's out in Asbury Park. So he's. I guess that's a like a new program that's trying to take off, and he's trying to get that in order. So that's that's another school that we might have to pay attention to in years coming coming up out in there, New Jersey and stuff. That he's trying to build up, but you know he he has moved on. There's another coach there at Roselle Catholic now, and I'm sure in in uh, over time that Red is gonna Red and the rest of the coaching staff are gonna make sure they they uh rebuild that whole relationship and make sure they get things back on track. Um, you got other programs, Don Bosco Prep. I know they're more known for football, but when you got like the number one recruit. And Dylan Harper, you better pay attention because there might be some more younger ballers coming through there over the years. So you have them. You got Camden. Malik Malik Wayans is actually coaching them now. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, Brian, you know about Malik Wayans because I had to go back and figure out what year he was because I remember way, you know, like a dec- over a decade ago around the time when Deion Waiters was hooping in high school and stuff. I remember it was like him, Malik Wayans and stuff. And when Wayans was a, like a five-star recruit and went to Nova, and I saw he was around like that 09 class, McDonald's All-American, 09, 2010, 2011. I think Dion was um, class of 2010, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe 2011. But um, yeah, Malik Wayans, believe it or not, is coaching at Camden now. It, it, what's his name? Um, Rick Brunson was the guy that was originally there until, you know, he, he took off he took off with his son. He took off with his son, Jalen, at the Knicks. So uh Malik Wayans is holding things down at Camden. So, you know, uh they have a lot of talent. Obviously we couldn't Syracuse or any program of that matter couldn't touch their their guys because that was um clutch sports with um uh, DJ Wagner and Aaron Bradshaw. So no, nobody really had access to those guys. But hopefully as time goes along, different type of recruits. Hopefully it's not a clutch sports pipeline going on at Camden. But, you know, regardless, that's the story with them. You got Gil St. Bernard's. They had uh, two top 10 guys a few years ago with uh, Nas Cunningham. Mackenzie Mbako who's at Indiana right now. Uh, remember that uh, Tice Battle, I believe, started out his high school career there and such. So they always have top talent coming out of that school. Um, you have Hudson Catholic, um, where my guy Javon Quinterly came out of. Nas, was Nas Reed Hudson Catholic? I'm not sure, but... Um, Quinley was there, another guy that's going to Auburn that I really like, Todd Pettiford. Um, he came out of you know, he he's out of Hudson Catholic. Um, let me see who else. Um Elijah Gertrude, another guy that I like that's at UVA right now, and I talked about him on the last pod saying, look, if it doesn't work out at UVA, maybe he's a transfer portal candidate because he played AU with um AU with the City Rocks with uh, Trey Autry, Red Autry's son. So that could be another option. Obviously, St. Benedict's, 
has been good to Syracuse over the last, you know, decade or so. Ty, um, Ty, uh, Tyler Ennis, um, Sidibe, you know what I'm saying? So we, we, we've had some good players come out of St. Benedict's over the last decade. Uh, the Patrick School, Blair Academy, that's Kyle Cuff. Uh, Linden, Bergen Catholic. So there's a lot of programs that, uh, you know, the, the coaching staff have had success recruiting from. And I'm sure they can repair those relationships that and then bridges that JB has, has burned during that time since the Robeson debacle that Red can, like, take care and rehash and get us back on track. Um, the AU program, well, you know, one of the things when it comes to, cause like with the AU teams, one of the squads that has always, that was always good at Syracuse and New Jersey players, you had Jimmy Salmon. Jimmy Salmon is a guy, OG dude who, um, you know, back in the days, his AU program, New Jersey players, you know, Kobe Bryant played for them. Tim Thomas, when he was like, you know, top five recruit, ended up at Nova. Um, he had played for them. But they were good to Syracuse. You know, we got, that's where Terrence Roberts, uh, Mookie Watkins, uh, Scoop, Scoop Jardine, Rick Jackson, Demetrius Nichols. They all came out of that program. Um, even recently, I know it didn't work out, but Jalen Carey was from that program. Mustafa Zhang. I, I know it's a lot of controversy with those guys, but, you know, it's a program that, and the guy that held a lot of weight that sent his players to Syracuse. And um, unfortunately, I, I don't know the backstory of this. And I don't know. Maybe, Brian, you might know something with this being out there in Jersey. But, you know, Jimmy, 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 Jimmy Salmon hasn't really, you know, held much weight on the Nike circuit AU. You know, uh, New Jersey players isn't, you know, uh, around anymore. They try to rebrand. And he had... Um, he tried to rebrand to a different program that was called New Jersey Legacy, and he had Dylan Harper on that squad. But like last year, I don't know what happened. But you know, Dylan Harper ended up playing for the Wrens, a New York City, a New York program, and New Jersey Legacy. That's not that. That's something that you know hasn't happened. So uh, he was coaching at the um, Immaculate Conception. Out in Montclair, and he had coached Jalen Carey. So um, I don't know. I don't know. With Jimmy Salmon, is is just a, a strange situation. How you know this guy held a lot of weight, especially like North, because he he was mainly North um, Jersey, because the only Nike program that has a a, a the only Jersey pro, AU program that has a Nike deal. Is a program called New Jersey Scholars, and that's mainly Camden and South Jersey. Jimmy Salmon was more North Jersey, so when you're talking Patterson and Jersey City and Elizabeth and all that, he was holding that down. But it just seems like there was a falling out with Jimmy and Nike, and he doesn't hold that much weight again. So, But if he's able to regain that power, then... You know, Syracuse will be in good hands because that's a man that, you know, the program, even through the ups and downs, the Robeson debacle or not or whatever, you know, he was still sending his guys to Syracuse and stuff like that. But, um, you know, uh, 
we'll see how it plays out. But I'm I have complete faith that Red and Crew, they're doing what they have to do to repair those relationships. They're not gonna be as stubborn. And we'll see Syracuse back in the mix with a lot of New Jersey guys over the next few years and such. So um yeah, that's that. So uh uh Brian, I appreciate you uh contributing to the mailbag and always love your questions and comments that you have all the time in response to, you know, the pods I've been putting out over the last few months. So, you know, your contributions is always greatly appreciated. So next gonna run through these last few um comments before we call it a night on the mailbag. We got my guy Kev. So Kev, um, he says, Hey Dean, always good to hear your pods. Looks like we all get our wish with Bethea visiting a second time. If the things I read are correct, it will be nice for G Mac to pull him in. But yeah, him actually getting a bit of support from the rest of the staff has to feel a little different. Cannot imagine trying to sell the program when a recruit or their parent acts. Well, so-and-so, the head coach of that school was here. Where's the SU head coach? That can't be a fun situation. And then given the perception on the boards that he can't seal the deal, has to suck too. Hope Red is good at juggling rosters. Because he has got an interesting future offseason. I know he's got two commits. And hopes for another. But I'm not sure how that sets up with a full roster. Yes, you're hoping three or more guys depart. And I will root for them leaving on their own merits without the, ta- without the talk. I'm curious about what Cuff brings to the table. Because he seems to be a guy SU maybe didn't have to take. Sure, he's got talent. But he seems a bit redundant with the roster as it stands. And then more and maybe Lewis or Bethea on the way. And what's up with the centers this year? Could, should redshirt Patterson? But are they getting any sort of offense from them? McLeod did great against SU last year. Did he do anything else? While the entertainment factor was high... I prefer Hema, not Chuck J's off the backboard. So, <laughs> Kev, as always, my guy, I appreciate you contributing. I don't know how to respond to all of that. I mean, all right, I'm talking about Bethia. All right, let me see what else you said. So, uh, the talk. All right, so that's the thing I mentioned earlier, that when you bring in guys like, Carrie, and I know that that probably, you know, Beheim was still the coach then. So when you bring in guys like Carrie and Hemas and those kind of players, but even Patterson, like, um, you know, he wasn't head coach yet when you're bringing in Patterson when he committed and stuff, but he brought in Cuff. So that's what I'm thinking is like bringing in players, multiple players in the transfer portal world right now. Does that make sense? And that's what I think Red has to learn and figure out. You have to give him a season or two to figure out how he's going to approach and go about his business on that side of things. You know what I mean? So I'm holding off judgment because 
I could see him being in a situation after next season where it's like, okay, he's talking to Peter Carey. He's talking to, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe a Hema. He's talking to, I don't think he's going to talk to a Kyle Cuff. But, you know, maybe a Justin Taylor if it doesn't work out for him. Um, a Copeland if it doesn't work out for him. So I, I could see that, but does he want to be in a situation where that's what he's doing every season? He's talking to like four or five guys and saying, you got to take a hike. So that's why I'm curious to see if, you know, instead of offering scholarships to guys that you might say after a season or two to take a hike, does he just say, you know what, we're going to swing for the fence. We're going to evaluate these guys like we're seeing right now. But there's... You're locked in a Chopper Moore. You're locked in a, 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 a Donnie Freeman. You're trying to get a Mikey Lewis. You're doing all of that. So, okay, you, you have that locked in. But the guys that you're just tossing scholarships to that are, you know, not even top 200 recruits, do you just shy away from that and say, okay, we're saving those scholarships and our NIL money to see what happens in the portal. And I think that's the lane that Red is going to learn that he has to take moving forward. But until that happens, we just have to sit back, wait and see how it all plays out. But um you know, I can't I can't blame you for feeling how you feel about some of these other guys. With Cuff, I think Cuff I think I think Cuff presents value in the sense that he can help push guys in practice. And you never know what's going to happen um, when it comes to injuries and stuff. And, you know, uh, go figure, you know, <laughs> Cuff is a guy who's been a bit banged up himself as well. But when you have Chance dealing with injuries and JJ d- dealing with injuries. So I don't know. Uh, you know, if, if Cuff is healthy, I think he's he's a guy that, you know what, he's an extra body that hopefully can push the other players and you're talking about a guy that's uh you know a former top 50 type talent who's not coming with any egos right like I don't think if he doesn't play his dad is gonna like storm up to the 315 and he's ready to duke it out with Fred saying hey why my son is not getting any playing time like I think I think I I I I think Cuff is just in a situation where he's happy to even land at Syracuse at this point. So we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out with him if he, if he ends up contributing. You know, he could be one of those guys where in a season or two, he ends up being a contributor. Or, you know, he's a grad transfer and ends up going elsewhere. He's like another Samir Torrance. So, you know, that's not getting no, in the way of anybody. Like, he's not going to cost us any recruits in the future. He's not going to up anything as far as you know mess up our chemistry because he's bringing bad vibes and such like he he's just gonna come in and work you know so i i don't mind a guy like kyle cuff but you know all the other stuff i understand what you're saying um the big man spot i mean we'll we'll see who has offense you know i do think mcleod as far as just getting easy buckets off uh screen of rolls and 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 guys getting into you know the paint and collapsing the defense and just lopping balls up to him i, I you know i don't see 
how he can't be a guy that's gonna get three to four easy buckets for us you know what i'm saying but um yeah hema the rest of the guys they're gonna need work but you know that's up to the staff to see what they can do as far as when it comes to player development you know uh griff you know he has done a good job turning guys that we weren't too excited about in the early goings into serviceable players like the jesse edwards of the world the 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 chukwus you know what i'm saying um even a guy like marek playing the five you know that whole season a few years ago his senior year i believe you know like you gotta give griff credit give him the benefit of doubt to see if he can work some magic with these guys and we'll see how it plays out so um kev appreciate you uh hopping on in the mailbag as always and uh next we go to my guy dino dean allen he says love the mailbag as always oh oh, and uh, before before, let me rewind so yo dino i appreciate you getting on last minute because you know for those that don't know my guy he had hit me up like hey you know, you you started a pod yet? And I was like, nah. I was like, hey, you know, you got another hour or so to get in. Because, you know, I'm about to start real soon. I had just gone home around that time from work. I was just like, bro, you know, uh, I'm getting settled in. So probably like another hour or so, get your, your last comment and question in. So glad to see, you know, you got in in time, my guy. You and Richard Abraham, who I'm going to get last. So you guys are the last two. So, um, yeah, so let me get back to this. So he says, uh, love the mailbag as always. Have you heard any kind of practice reports between Bayhams Army and the SUB ball team since TBT is around the corner? Love hearing the info about Bethea and how much the staff has put in on trying to get him as our next commit. I think you're spot on that if we can get the last visit, we have a great chance on getting him. I think the perfect time to bring him back up would be the Clemson football game. Hopefully we are still undefeated at that time and the dome will be rocking, which will leave a great impression on him. Thanks again for doing this and go Q's. So, uh, yeah, Dino, man, um, when it comes to the Bayheim Army, SU, you know, all that stuff going on, I, I don't have nothing on that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I've been trying to reach out one of my main sources that give me a lot of intel behind the scenes on the Syracuse side of things. Um, it's it, it just been kind of shaky with that so far. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just a lot of back and forth and... You know, we haven't really, like, locked in, so I haven't gotten much um, intel on, like, practice reports and all that stuff yet. But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm I'm confident I'll get some news as, as time goes along. So, you know, just stay tuned. But, um, yeah, as far as, uh, you know, I kind of touched on with the Bethea situation and everything like that early on. But, you know, the staff is doing a great job. And, you know, with GMAC trying to close on this and and having finally somebody, a head coach, to have his back and be out there with him and stuff, that that, that means a lot. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure that means a lot for him. And that's going to count for something as time goes along because it's, it's, it's tough. You know, when you're an assistant and you're not getting much support much help it's just you battling yourself and as my guy kev said before you know it's tough when parents you know that that's something that 
some fans might think it doesn't mean anything, but that's something that means a lot for the parents, the handlers, whoever's involved, the adults involved in the recruitment for that star recruit where they see the head coach really wants them and is very much involved. Like you're just sending your assistant out there. That's kind of like a turnoff for them. You know, you look at the situation with Bethia where early on because of the health issues with Bill Self, he couldn't travel. Like when the spring period and stuff, I guess he wasn't clear to like travel and go out on the road. So a lot of the Kansas representation for Bethia was Norm Roberts, who you guys might remember, the former St. John's head coach. So as soon as, you know, I guess Self got the go ahead to go on the road and check out recruits. His first stop was to see Bethia back in June. So they're really taking this serious. So like as the only blue blood that's in the recruitment for him, Kansas is, is very much involved. Like they're not treating this as a, oh, you know, if we get him, we get him. You know, it's whatever. We got other guys in mind. Like, no, like he's been, you know, basically it's been known to him and, you know, his circle that he's 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 very much a serious target. So and that's why he has like the first visit going into you know this this fall semester. And if there's a program that you know if you guys are gonna ask me who I think is the toughest competition, who I'm most worried about, it would be them. It would be Kansas. So we'll we'll have to wait and see how all this plays out. But I do think all the pro because. Usually in recruitment, recruitments like this, when a, a guy has a final like five schools and stuff, you can uh, er, you you can immediately eliminate two or three schools. You know, a lot of times it's like a two school battle or maybe a three school battle, but it's hard to tell right now. You know who who's the heavy favorite and where he's going to end up like I really think it's kind of open right now like I do feel good about Syracuse chances but Kansas is definitely in the mix Miami has their connections Alabama has the style fit and Villanova is the local school that has a lot of NIL money in play and you know if staying Staying home, being close to family and everything like that and playing for a coach who, you know, the the youngest coach out of all the teams in play that, you know, he probably could relate to the most and everything like that. You know, if Villanova gets that last visit, then that could be a problem. So, you know, this recruitment is very tricky to handicap. You know, it kind of reminds me of the J.J. Stalin recruitment. J.J. Stalin recruitment was the last recruitment that I never really had a handle on until, I guess, the last day or two of his recruitment. Like, I really did not know where J.J. was was going until the last, like, 48 hours of his recruitment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think a lot of people just assumed Duke, but I was told, you know, after the Duke visit, nah, he wasn't going there, and it wasn't going to be Syracuse. So I was trying to figure out if it was going to be, you know, like a Northwestern. Like, you know, I always heard he was a different kind of kid that wanted, like, 
carve out his own lane. So, you know, he, he's a high academic kid as well. So it was like, hey, it could be Stanford. It could be Northwestern. It could be Notre Dame. And it wasn't until like the last day or two that I got word that, yeah, it's going to be Notre Dame. So with uh, Bethia, it's, it's kind of a similar situation where it's kind of hard to pinpoint one school that's the heavy favorite. You know, you can say, all right, Syracuse been there the longest, but I'm not going to say he's a lock to go to Syracuse. But I do feel that our coaching staff has put their best foot forward and it's a different change from back in, you know, years ago where it's like JB just sending the assistant and hoping for the best. And then he'll show up at the end and hoping hoping that he can close the deal. That's not what's going on here. So um, as the visits play out, I should have more intel for you guys. But, you know, we still have another month, month and change to go for all of that. So just stay tuned and... You know, we should get all the fun, exciting info on how all this stuff is going to play out with Bethia. But, uh, Dino, thanks for hopping on. I'm definitely hoping to get some practice reports coming up at some point. And, you know, when I get that, you guys will be the first to hear what's going on behind the scenes out there in the Metal Center. So as we close out this... uh, Mailbag edition and the last pod pretty much. Well, no, I shouldn't say last pod for um, July because we still have like another week or so to go. So I I should pop out another pod before then. But uh, last pod for this mailbag, we got my guy Richard Abraham who says, Is there any insight on if Q's have offered... um, you say Connor flag, but I assume you're saying you mean Cooper flag. He said, if no, was there any reason he could start on many college teams right now as a high school junior? So, look, I mean, uh, Richard, I don't know if you heard the last podcast, but that's what I was talking about. I was saying, look, Cooper flag, he has a twin brother. A lot of people consider him to be like more of a mid-major player. You know, I think the last offer he had received was from like GW and stuff. But I saw a couple of games and he, he he's a high motor three and D type of guy. He can shoot it really well, really well. It's not obviously on the same level as his brother, but I do think in the right situation, you know, he, he, he could play. He could spot minutes on a high major club. And that's why I said, look, if Syracuse wants to throw their hat on the race because they watched his team a few times even though they were um there for the opponents they was there for the 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 opposing team of guys that they were recruiting on the opposite squad they weren't really watching cooper flag but i was saying like if they wanted to throw their hat in the race just offer him and his brother because i'm sure that would go over well with, with the family because no other program has done that but unfortunately, from what I gather, Syracuse doesn't seem to, you know, uh, want to go that route. And it is what it is. But if I was in their shoes, if I was in Red Archer's shoes, that's a move I would make. And my guy, shout out to my guy, Sean Engle, who you guys have heard on, you know, the spaces doing the 
Hoopal Classics in January the last couple years. He was the first one to talk about Cooper Flag, um, I think a year ago. And, you know, he was saying, look, this is a guy that Syracuse or any top program out there, quite frankly, should be after. And this was when Cooper was a freshman before he went to Mount Verde. And Syracuse, look, they were the first to offer J.P. Estrella from Maine. So I don't know why they didn't get into the Cooper Flag game, who's also from Maine, right away, who came about a couple years later. So it is what it is. Um, like I said, if, if, if it was me, I, I would offer Cooper and his twin and see how it goes. But doesn't seem like Syracuse going to go that direction. Um, maybe you know, maybe there's some extra stuff there because I heard before the Bob Huggins debacle that they were seriously considering West Virginia, and I would assume that's because of NIL money that's being tossed around. You know, I also heard you know everybody's talking about Duke um, being a favorite, and you know they are, but you know I heard that don't be surprised if he does like G League Ignite or some kind of you know, professional um, type situation because he's talking to, you know, pro clubs and everything like that. And apparently, you know, his mom, you know, is is, is planning to move down to Florida and everything like that. So they're trying to fast track things, you know what I mean? So it's it's it, there could be some curveball, some surprises going on in his situation. Um, you know, apparently, you know, even though he's in the 2025 class right now, he's older, he's old for his grade. So he can reclassify to the 2024 class. So, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on out there that, um, you know, uh, I think might surprise some people moving forward as time goes along in the Cooper flag race. But still, like I said, I would offer him and twin and see where it takes us. But anyway, Q's Nation, I appreciate everybody that contributed on the mailbag edition with their comments and questions. And look, um, I wanted to say this, like moving forward, I just going to be a little bit changed to the pod. So what I'm going to do, I'm still obviously doing Syracuse base type podcasts, but I want to switch it up a bit where I'm going to talk about a lot of things outside of the Syracuse um, universe and do pods where I'm going to chime in on any type of updates in the college basketball universe outside of the Syracuse bubble. So I could talk about the teams in the ACC, teams outside the ACC, anything that's newsworthy that I feel like, okay, I'm going to hop on and just chop it up a bit about you're going to see those type of pods come in so that you guys get some more content and everything like that because I know like since uh you know May with Judah coming back and stuff things been a bit slow and that's on like the Syracuse side of things but I'm like you know in college basketball the college basketball universe does not sleep so I'm like you know what when I have time what is just Jumping on, talking about a topic 
for like 10, 15 minutes. I'm going to come on, talk about it. And, um, you know, just, just, just give you guys some more content to listen to and stuff when, you know, uh, you, you know, when you on your way to work, I know some guys say, you know, got you guys hit me up saying, Hey, you like listening to the pods when you're working out at the gym, however it goes, I just want to do what I can to provide more content and stuff. I know I always try to pump out as much Syracuse centric type stuff as I can, you know, throughout the week, but it's. Once a week, twice a week, multiple times, however. But, you know, I feel like, especially the feedback I got when I did the the previews of, um, you know, the ACC with, with, with the, how the other teams are looking throughout, you know, the summer and stuff. I got some good feedback from you guys and for you guys that hit me up saying, hey, you love to hear me talk, touch on, do pods, touching on other topics and stuff in college ball. So just stay tuned for that, you know, recruiting is gonna be popping up August, September, and all that. So you know, I keep you guys update what's going on with the ops. You know what I'm saying? We gotta keep, you know, as they say, you 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 keep you keep your your enemies close. You know what I'm saying? You know, you gotta know what's 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 popping on that other side of the street. So I'm 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 gonna be your 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 your, your source, letting you know what's happening with all these teams. You know, the ops and. You know, uh, we we not going to get caught with our pants down. So I'm going to try to do my part and, you know, keep you guys updated with, with the latest going on, whether the ACC world or, you know, the, the opponents on our schedule, non-conference coming up. So I'm just going to try to do the best I can, give you some extra content moving forward. So stay tuned for that. So Q's Nation, I appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Another great pod. So to the next time. Signing off. I'm out. <laughs>